Hi everybody, <laughs> uh, back again with another podcast, and this time I've got my first guest, Yay! my Yay! very good friend Tiffany, also known as Talara Games. Is Hello. it Talara Games or Talara Gaming? Yeah, Talara, Talara Games. Who she she twitches, she twitches very well. I do. I do the she Twitch does the thing. Twitch thing. She also does YouTube, sorta. She's got a YouTube page that has her Twitch games on. If you yep. want to catch up on stuff, and uh, we are coming together on this glorious of Mondays, which is a holiday, which is the only reason why it's glorious, uh, <laughs> to talk about the five most influential video games on each of us uh, up to this point. I suppose it doesn't mean it's the best. It doesn't mean it's the favorite. It just means it's ones that we found particularly influential on the games we now play today and such. Uh, and I thought we could start with some random bits of news, if there's anything that you have. What's been going on in the news lately? Uh, sports are back. Sports are back, <laughs> and apparently they're going mostly poorly. <laughs> yeah, so there's very different situations going on, because there's kind of the three major leagues. Baseball's back. Uh, basketball's back and hockey's back and basketball and hockey are in their own. They have this bubble system going where they're essentially just one big bubble. Everybody's in, no one's allowed to go out, but baseball decided to not do that. And they're still continuing kind of as usual traveling between stadiums, you know, flying around the country. And that has been an issue because so many people have already gotten COVID. So many games have already gotten canceled, uh, and we're only like a week into the season. So that one's kind of performing poorly. But so far, the uh, the NBA and the NHL seem to be working out yeah, pretty I've good, been, which is I've good. I've been pleased with the NBA just because it started really scary when they had like the, what was it, 20-something cases when they first started the bubble. Yes. Which is which is wild. But <laughs> yeah, I saw the, yeah, uh, so the NBA. The, the the baseball guy the commissioner saying something ludicrous like <laughs> in the news and people were were not pleased yeah uh, people have a lot of opinions about him but in terms of basketball uh the raptors played their first game on saturday night i'm a big raptors fan so i watched and i was very i guess um hesitant i guess going into it about how the presentation would be no fans you know not at a regular nba court but i came out pleasantly surprised uh, obviously you know it is a bit weird but as far as things go i i enjoyed it i thought the presentation was good i'm, I'm assuming i didn't i didn't get to watch any of yet i'm assuming they had commentators and stuff still right Yes, they have commentators, uh, and in terms of like the TV presentation, that all looks the same. The biggest difference is there's no fans, of course. Right. So what they have, they have like sort of LCD or LED screens all around the court, and they like project images on it, um, which looks a little funny. But after a while, I got used to it, and I kind of didn't even really notice that the fans weren't there. One thing I was really worried about was that it was going to be just awkwardly quiet. You know what I mean? You could hear like the squeak of the yeah. sneakers. But they actually funnel in uh, crowd noise, which on its face I thought was a very strange idea, but actually is very natural when it actually happened. I didn't really realize they were doing it. See, I, I think I would like the uh, the sound from like the, that you don't normally hear. Because like, when I watch some mm -hmm. UFC fights, uh, they also have no crowd. And you could hear the coaches really well, and you could hear the referees' like instructions, and you can hear the hits. 
and like right and while some of them were gross of course uh <laughs> i thought it was i thought it was really <laughs> cool like it sounded really good and i i figured like hearing you get to hear a lot of things in basketball that you normally wouldn't but that's fair i mean it definitely is a, a different atmosphere but uh it's not as quiet i guess as you'd think it would right. be yeah because i i remember i read hi <laughs> kitty she's all up in my face right now <laughs> i read uh after the uh box game that people people weren't pleased with the refs so i guess the refs are trying to stay consistent and still be shitty which is nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh one bit of news that i saw today uh that i think that you might like is that they were talking about the development for the last of us hbo show that they're oh, working yes. on and that uh a lot of they're going to be adding a lot of stuff to it but it's all stuff that was going to be in the games that they cut so it's not like new stuff that won't fit. It'll be stuff that was already planned to be in the game and they just didn't add it in like at the last minute. Yeah, I think the word choice they use is they just want to expand on what the game had, not add anything new, just expand on the elements that were kind of already there or, you know, we're thinking about. Yeah. And the great thing is, is that the creator of The Last of Us, Neil Druckmann, is actually going to be involved in, in the TV show. So hopefully, you know, that'll kind of keep it very true to the source. Yeah, and apparently uh, the guy who did Chernobyl, which I, I never watched that show, but I heard it's very widely regarded, is, is also going to be like the main director for The Last of Us show. I can't wait. Uh, I'm I'm very excited, especially after seeing the success that The Witcher had. That was sort of, you know, a kind of a niche video game that really got uh, like you know, worldwide success. A lot of my friends who aren't gamers watch The Witcher and loved yeah. it. So I think the, the Last of Us is even more uh, universally kind of accepted material. There's no magic or you know monsters or any of that. I have a feeling it's going to do really well. My only concern for it when I first heard they were making it, and it's it might be completely unfounded. Well, I, I guess I got two concerns: is that it, the show will be entirely too depressing. Like it, it will, <laughs> yes. it will like turn people off from it just because it's very depressing and it doesn't have the the moments of action and the moments and stuff like of you actually playing the game to remove that and then i'm also concerned that people because i think people are generally burnt out on shows like that because of how bad the walking dead's gotten and stuff at least bad in my opinion (laughs) and i i'm worried that like it people might just choose not to watch it because they'll assume it's like the walking dead and the only people who watch it will be the ones who like we're already aware of the game and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. But I find word of mouth goes a long way as well. You know, if people start claiming about this awesome new show on HBO, uh, you know, others might kind of come around to it. It, it definitely is. I'm not going to lie. It's not a happy game. It's not. <laughs> part one or part two are not happy games. They don't really have happy endings. Um, but that's kind of the point is that they're trying to just be very realistic. No one gets special treatment just because they're a main character. Yeah. It's kind of like Game of Thrones in that way. Anybody can die at any time. The good guys don't necessarily win. And, you know, so it, it is a different concept, but hopefully people will enjoy it. Yeah, especially like com- compared to a game like I think uh, Days Gone, which is also a very fun game and, and, and kind of bleak. Uh-huh. It's very different in that like you know the good guys are kind of going to come out fine in days gone versus like in the last of us there's always that kind of unpredictability of whatever they're going to do speaking of days gone uh that was that was a great game and i feel like it's very underrated it didn't get a whole lot of hype 
uh, especially when people talk about PS4 exclusives. You know, everyone says how many amazing exclusives the PS4 had, and Days Gone never really comes up. But shout out to Days Gone. That was a great game. If you guys haven't played Days Gone, I recommend it. Yeah, I think what happened with Days Gone, uh, in my opinion, is that they they took too long. Because they had announced it three years prior at EA, or not EA, E3, I think. Mm-hmm. And then it, it at the time it looked mind blowing and like the the graphics and everything were crazy. And then it just took so long for the game to come out. And then people, I guess, were just underwhelmed for the most part when they played yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like there was just not a lot of uh, hype or I guess marketing going into it either. You know, like I never even really heard about it and I, until it came out. Right. Yeah. The only reason I knew about it is because uh, the guy who plays Deacon. As I've I've told you many times, I love him, uh, Sam Witwer. He's uh, someone I've watched in a bunch of shows. He's in he was in Smallville for a season. Uh, he had his own show, uh, Being Human, that was on Sci-Fi. Uh, he plays Darth Maul in all the Star Wars stuff, like post uh, the movies. So like in mm-hmm. the, in Solo, he's the voice of Darth Maul. Uh, in like the Clone Wars show and Rebels, he's Darth Maul. In the Battlefront games, he's Darth Maul and the Emperor. Like. I'm a big fan of him. I watch him on Twitch a lot. I've played Battlefront with him before, which is like one of my high moments in life, sadly. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, like, I follow him on Twitter and everything. So I knew he was making this and I knew it was coming out. And the right. last game he starred in, like where he did motion capture and all that for it, was uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which is an incredible game. So I was like, if he's attached to this, it's probably going to be great. So I was on board from the get-go and i pre-ordered it like as soon as it was available and everything right yeah for me it was i never really heard of it but for me i i find ps4 exclusives you know usually they're they're just awesome so i i pretty much just play every ps4 exclusive that comes out and i heard there was a new ps4 exclusive coming out and i was just like okay i guess i'll <laughs> i'll check it out i'm trying to think like just thinking back for the fun of it to like ps3 i don't think there's any exclusives that i've played that i didn't like yeah that's the thing about sony is you know you can question some of their other business practices their stand on crossplay, uh, et cetera, et cetera. but in terms of exclusives first play as you know single player first party exclusives i think you could argue nintendo i guess but sony man they're so good but nintendo hits and misses a lot and Pretty much all their games are exclusive, so I don't really count them. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah, true, true. Like, cause they're they're very like tight on on letting things go. Like, imagine yeah, how well, much like, money they'd make if they put Pokemon out on everything. Oh, they'd fucking kill it. Exactly. Or like, oh, Zelda. can we curse on this podcast? Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <That's> okay. <laughs> I I've never. Not, but it, I have a warning in my thing that says I, there might be cursing, so it's fine. <laughs> well, there's the first one, folks. Yes. I think I said <laughs> shit earlier, so we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, other news, I think. Uh, oh, uh, Umbrella Academy Season 2 came out on Friday. Uh, today's August 3rd for, prefer- or for reference. And uh, I watched it all on the first day it came out. <laughs> And did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it? it quite a bit, yes. I, I really liked the first season. I think the second season's better, uh, which is always good to see a show improve. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I've never I've never seen it, but I've heard great things. And obviously if you can binge it all in one day, maybe I should check it out. Yeah, I think I think you would like it, but you're not you're not much of a TV person either, so it's it's hard to say. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's my thing. It's just, I don't know, when I have free time, I, I would like to play a game because I like get to interact with it, I guess, rather than passively watch a TV right. show. Have you um, have you gotten into Ghost of uh, Tsushima at all? I have not started it yet. Um, I've just been so busy with, you know, life and being an adult. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I have it here. It is ready to go. I've heard nothing but great things, and I can't wait to check it out. Is it one you're going to be streaming, or are you going to be playing it uh, solo? Just for me, yeah, just gotcha. solo. Right on. Well, I think that's everything that I had for news, really. All right. Uh, and if you don't have anything else, we can move on to the five most influential games. Let's do it. Okay, so we can start with you. Uh, mine are in no particular order. I don't know if yours are, but... My order is kind of... I don't know, like the eight, my age, I guess. Like I'm going to start with like my first influential video right. game, I guess. Like the first one I can remember being influential. Okay. So for me, this is the very first video game that I ever played. So that's that makes it influential for me because this was the first time I was like, whoa, that's really cool. I want to do so that's that. That's a high bar. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. So this game was Super Mario World for the Super Nintendo. Um, I remember, I mean, I was really young, maybe like three or four years old. And I just, I was just so fascinated by it. I didn't actually own it. My cousin owned it and I would go over to their place and obviously, you know, I'm three or four years old. I can't do anything. So I couldn't even beat the first level, <laughs> but I, I would just want to be involved with the game. So what I would do is I would ask my cousin to play and I would literally just sit there and watch and she would beat the game and I would cheer along with her you know like <laughs> i beat the game and it was just so awesome i remember being colorful and fun and just this new concept because this was you know gaming was relatively new at this time and i was just absolutely fascinated by it and i i really do think my love of video games today starts uh with me watching my cousin play super mario world back in god the 90s i yeah, guess because uh, <laughs> if i remember correctly and I'm gonna Google it just to be sure. Yeah, so it came it came out three years before I was born. So it would have come out four or five years before you were born. So. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking me sitting there playing it. I, yeah, it was probably 1997, I would think. So it had been out for for a while, but that was just you know the game that my cousin had. Was this the one where you could be multiple characters, like you weren't just Mario, or or was that a different one? Uh, no, I think you're only Mario in this one. I think if you're player two, you could be Luigi. Okay. Because Green Mario. I, th <laughs> I know I've played this before, looking at it, but I don't think we had this one. Uh, we had the one where you could be multiple different people. Like, you could be Peach and go around ah. and stuff. And then it's all I remember is that Birdo would shoot eggs at you. And you'd have to, like, jump. and like. How dare he? <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have to jump Actually, and like, catch Birdo a girl. Mechanically female. I think so, Hang yeah. Birdo gender. Yep, female. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know which one it was. It might have been Super Mario Bros. 3, but there's one where I'm pretty sure you could play as multiple people, and that's the first one I played. But we we either had Super Mario World or my cousin had it because we also had the uh, the SNES. And, uh, yep. I was also bad at that. I think <laughs> I think the only game I was <laughs> I thought I was good at at the time was uh was the Mario Kart for the, the SNES which I was probably oh, bad yeah. at as well. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, kids don't know what the hell they're doing, but they have fun doing it. Exactly. And that's that's back in the day when you could call your parents to come do a level for you and they could actually do yes. it. Yes. Versus now, like, <laughs> my parents could barely know how to start a car in a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, times have changed for sure. Absolutely. Apparently, Super Mario World has sold over 20 million copies worldwide. That's... That's, wild that's a lot of copies yeah. <laughs> especially for back in the <laughs> 90s where most people barely had one tv let alone exactly. <laughs> like, let alone all that yeah it's the best-selling super nintendo game uh so there you go that's that that was my beginning of my gaming journey my first most influential Lovely. game so mine is one i've talked about with you before because i love it uh it's harry potter and the quidditch world cup on the GameCube. Ooh, nice choice. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it came out on the Xbox as well, but I only had it on the GameCube. Um, mm-hmm. It was released in October of 2003, if I remember correctly. Uh, I cannot really remember when I actually got it, because at the time we were living in Brazil, and we didn't get a GameCube until my aunt came to visit, and she brought it with her like as a gift. Because at the mm. time, we still only had our PlayStation 1 because famously, we were always one behind with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so she brought us the GameCube, and I think I bought the game myself sometime after. And when I say bought myself, I mean I got my mom to buy it because I would have been, <laughs> been 10. <laughs> but uh, I did some little bit of research on it before just so I could know stuff about it. Uh, the developer for it was EA UK. Uh, they've not done many games, apparently. They they did all of the Harry Potter like movie game adaptations. Some of which were much better than others. The first two were the best, I think. Uh, with the Flipendo! But, uh, Flipendo! I think there was only two other games that they had developed that I'd ever seen. <laughs> like, Are they even still around? I, EA UK? I've never even no, heard of I them. No, I think they, they did, like, the last game they did was the last... Deathly Hollows game, and then as far as I know, they didn't do much else. I see. At least when I looked at the list of what they had done, I had not played any of the other games other than Harry Potter. Yeah, I'm here now on their Wikipedia page. They did all the Harry Potters, and they haven't published a game since 2011, so I'm assuming that means they're not currently active. It would seem not, which I think for the most <laughs> part now, uh, EA is mostly off-branched, haven't they? They let other developers make a game, and then they publish it. Yeah, they yeah. A lot of times they don't actually develop the games themselves. You're right; they act more as a publisher. They're kind of getting a little monopoly going. <laughs> oh yeah, they're the Disney of games. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so this game was influential for me because it was the the first game like in my memory that wasn't a Pokemon game that I essentially like actively completed and unlocked mm-hmm. everything there was to unlock. Like, because in, in this game, you initially start at Hogwarts and you pick a Hogwarts team and then you have challenges and you have to win games to kind of like learn how to play. And then you you go to the Quidditch World Cup and you pick a team from that. And as you play, you get chocolate frogs cards for doing stuff or you unlock other brooms. And like each time you unlock another broom, you can go to that broom and it raises the speed of the game and the difficulty and stuff. And... uh the the goal I guess and for that game was to collect all the chocolate frog cards and get all the uh, the brooms and stuff 
and uh, I remember, I think you had to beat the World Cup fully either once or, or even a few times, and you would unlock uh, Bulgaria, the Bulgarian Quidditch yes, team. Yes, with Victor with Crumb. With Victor Crumb, yeah. So my goal <laughs> for that game, because the only team I recognized was Bulgaria, because for some reason, Ireland was not a team in the game, even though they're the second only team we've ever heard about in the books or movies <laughs> right uh i was like i'm gonna get bulgaria and i'm gonna unlock the firebolt which was the last broom you could unlock that had the hardest difficulty and i eventually got them both <laughs> and by that point i was kind of bored of the game like i was kind of <laughs> tired so i was like eh. I, and i stopped playing because uh, it was really repetitive i guess to be somewhat critical of it it's just a basic sports game and the only game mode yep. is this one tournament so i won the cup with bulgaria and then i stopped playing it <laughs> i didn't get all of the chocolate frog cards like i didn't 100 percent complete the game but i unlocked everything there was to unlock so i considered it like an accomplishment and it i'll, I'll take yeah it. and it was it was influential <laughs> because that's what made me start doing that in games where i would go in with a goal of completing something or like getting to a certain point and being done rather than just playing it until I got bored. And I don't do it with every game by any means, but if a game piques my interest, I will go all, all out on that bitch and, and, get, <laughs> and get the stuff. There's our second There's curse, our second word, curse the word stream. Welcome. <laughs> it also uh, <laughs> it got, weirdly enough, for a fake sport, it got me into sports games. Like, the only sports game I had played before this was NHL 98 on the PC because my parents had it and it was there and then uh so yeah niche. and then a, a soccer game that i played at a friend's house and that was it so it got me into sports games in which i now play a lot yeah that's that's my first one all right i also played i remember playing harry potter quidditch world cup on the gamecube i was a i was a big potter head as a kid and i i do remember playing the heck out of that game so i understand that choice yes. So my next one, moving on. We're, we're really going to tell my life story I here, it. I think. Moving on to age five. <laughs> uh, age five is when I got my very first video game. So after playing, uh, you know, some Super Mario World for a few years, I was ready to have a console of my own. So on my fifth birthday, I got a Game Boy Color and I got Pokemon Red. Woo! So this was this was really like my first video game, really. Uh, you know, I think everybody knows Pokemon Red. I don't know if it knows needs much introduction, but uh, they came out. When did they? When did those Pokemon come out? Pokemon Red would have been ninety five, ninety eight, ninety eight. Really? Yep. That's uh, well, according to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> wow, I would. Yep, September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. Now it originally came out in Japan in nineteen ninety six. This was a time when games were coming out in Japan way before they were coming out. Uh, in North America. Right. But, uh, I mean, what what is there to say about this game that hasn't already been said? This was obviously the very first in the Pokemon series, which is, I would think, one of the most successful video game franchises ever. Um, apparently, they were the best-selling uh, game on the Game Boy, Pokemon Red and Blue, which, you know, are the same game. Uh, but, yeah, I got Pokemon Red and my Game Boy for my fifth birthday, and... 
I, I can just remember just being absolutely obsessed with this game. The fact that you could, you know, go on this this quest in this little handheld device in my hands was just too much for five-year-old <laughs> Tiff and her giant imagination. Uh, going around, uh, trying to catch them all. You know, I, at five, I sucked, so I'm sure I got killed all the time. But I it was just so much fun to go around, catch your Pokemon, build your team, explore this world. This was the very first time I'd ever, I guess, dove headfirst into a video game, and I just absolutely loved it. Pokemon Red will always have a place in my heart. Yes. So uh, normally I would just comment on this, but I also have a Pokemon game on my list. So I'm All just right. going to add it on here. Let's it's go. a little bit down on my list, so I'm just jumping down. But uh, for me, I threw on Pokemon Gold. Okay. Uh, and the reason for this and, and I t- is because even though I had played and beaten Blue and Yellow before this, and I loved them both, uh, I didn't really get passionate about the Pokemon games until Gold. Like, it was the first one for me where I actively tried to learn how to do everything in the game. Like, I wanted to learn where to go, where all the stuff was hidden. I learned how to, like, clone Pokemon and items. I started nicknaming Pokemon, like, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. I was still very bad at the game. Like, <laughs> I only ever trained my starter because I, if I remember correctly, gold came out in '99. Let's see. So I would have been six and stupid. So <laughs> oh, we were all six and stupid. Don't worry. Yep, November twenty first, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. So I had that for my Game Boy Color. Obviously, uh, I had the cool purple one. And, nice. Um, I was just, I was really bad at it. And so what I would do, because I didn't get that I should train other Pokemon, is I would train my starter, then I would clone my starter, and then I would catch whatever legendaries were were available. And that's how I would always beat the Elite Four when I was young, just through Oh, yeah. Sheer I, I power. remember not having, like, a diverse team either. I would just train <laughs> the hell out of my starter. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But this one... The reason why I think I like this one more and why I considered it more influential is because this is also the first one where I went and I bought the guidebook. And by again, I was six by me buying the guidebook. I got my mom to buy the guidebook. <laughs> and I learned like how to do everything. I learned like at what time certain Pokemon were available and when to – how to win the bug contest and stuff. So I just – and I just played this game over and over and over again. Yeah, uh, I actually, I was going through some of my old things a few months ago. My mom, you know, brought out the boxes and she was like, go through this. What are we donating? What are you keeping? (laughs) And one thing that I found was it was the Pokedex, but it was like a book. I don't know if you remember. It was like a paper guide and it was like a Pokedex. So each page would have the Pokemon, their moves, all, you know, all that stuff. And I, that was like my Bible. Like, I would carry (laughs) that thing around. I, I would have it memorized. All the Pokemon, what levels they evolved, what levels they learn certain moves etc like those little handbooks and guidebooks they were awesome back in the oh, day oh they were so the good internet. especially yeah before, especially before the internet and when you were young and, and sometimes little tricky mazes will throw you off yes and you just need one thing to shortly tell you where to go and then you're you're on your way yeah but yeah and i remember i remember loving this game uh i hated silver for some reason. And I think Why? It was, it's the I think same it, game. But it, but it, for in my mind as a kid, it wasn't. Like, I felt it was too different. Like, you get Ho-Oh at the end and Lugia earlier, and there's different Pokemon available and stuff, and I just didn't like it. And I refused to play it for a really long time. 
<laughs> I didn't touch a silver game until the remakes came out because Soul Silver was the only one I was able to find like, for a decent <laughs> price. Because Heart Gold to this day still goes for like a hundred dollars. Like man, and that's and wild. yeah, and I'm not willing to spend that. So <laughs> no, man, especially when you can emulate these days. For sure. And but yeah, so like like you said that how red was your first kind of obsession. Gold yep. was, was my f- probably first video game obsession, which obviously is not really a good thing to be obsessed with something, but it's definitely <laughs> definitely falls into the influential uh, category. And I think it it gold was a little bit more important to me too because it was the last Pokemon I game game I played for a long time. Like. Ah. I technically had Crystal, but it was a bad version that I bought at a flea market in Brazil. So it, I don't think it was real like, <laughs> and because it, it didn't really work right. And I never owned a Game Boy Advance or a DS until I was in university and I bought one myself. Like, Oh, so you had a big gap between generations. Yeah, like I knew Ruby existed, like Ruby and Sapphire, but I never played them. And I didn't even know that any games came out after those because by that point... I had stopped watching Pokemon because I was older. Yep. So I didn't know that it like had had continued on until I visited my cousin at some point when I was in high school, and he had uh, Pokemon Platinum, and I played it on his DS and I beat it while I was there because you know that kind of talent doesn't go away. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> for like fifteen years, like there, I guess yeah, for fifteen years, the only ones, the only games I had was blue, yellow, and gold. And gold was the one I went back to more than the others, and I played it very often. Right. Well, to piggyback on Pokemon, my next game, I guess it's kind of cheating, but my next most influential game is also another Pokemon game. (laughs) However, I do have specific reasons why uh, this one in particular is so influential. So for me, it's uh, Pokemon Crystal is mine, (sighs) so... That is the the third game of the second generation, so gold and silver, and then they usually always have a third one. You know, there was red, blue, then yellow, then there's gold, silver, then crystal. So crystal was the one that I got. This was, according to uh, the Googles, it came out in 2001, which sounds about right. So I was, what, seven? Uh, and this was the very first video game that I can remember playing at this time that allowed you to select a female main character. Yes. And I know that probably doesn't seem like much, but for little seven-year-old Tiff, she was really excited to <laughs> actually be herself in yeah, the game. In a game that was that was not just meant for girls, but meant for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cause, cause I, like you know, like there would have been Barbie games and the Mary Kate National games and whatever, oh. but that's not the same. It's no, exactly. And especially after playing Pokemon Red and having to play as a boy to finally be able to play another Pokemon game, which I loved, but being able to play as a girl was was awesome. So that was the first Pokemon game that actually gave you that option. They added a bunch of stuff in Pokemon Crystal. Uh, like, I know the graphics were improved a little bit. The sprites were better. Uh, they had, like, I don't know, the Battle Tower was added, etc. There was some new features and whatever. But this yeah, and they was... added a new a new plot, like, some, some new plot lines as well, yes, if I remember with correctly. Suicune. Yeah, and then, and then apparently Google's saying there's something with the unknown. Oh, yes, yes. I had never played, like like I said, I never played Crystal. I had a shitty knockoff version, and, and <laughs> it just didn't work, so. <laughs> but Fair enough. 
yeah, Crystal, Crystal was my my favorite. I actually, and I mean, it's probably just my favorite because that was the one that I had. I didn't have gold or silver. I just jumped straight to crystal. So that obviously just influences my decision. I think but, so because just like when you were talking about red, like I I I, I unconsciously crinkled my face because <laughs> because I I had blue. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, like you, this was actually like my favorite Pokemon generation. I loved red. Don't get me wrong. But I guess by the time Crystal came out, I was a little bit older. So I could kind of understand a bit more what was going on. And this was the game that I went all out like you. You know, I knew where everything was. I caught every Pokemon. I had the guides as well. Um, I just remember just being so in love with this game. Uh, it, It only... I guess bolstered my love for video games, Pokemon Crystal, and how much fun I had with it. So, shout out to Pokemon. Clearly, it was very influential for both of us. Well, yeah, and I think too, just from like a, a quality perspective. While again, I, like like he said, I love Gen One, and it's still so fun. It's also so frustrating, like the the game mechanics and stuff that they updated in Gen Two were like an astronomical game changer. Whereas, like, it wasn't so much luck anymore. It was it was a lot of skill. Like, yeah. Like, in Gen 1, you could get stuck in rap forever and not be able to move, and you're just sitting there for 10 minutes slowly waiting for yourself to die. <laughs> like, yeah, that the quality of, of life improvements were, were huge between Gens. And, I mean, even the fact that Gen 2 had colors. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> So, like, it was a huge jump, and it was great. And I love the Pokemon designs of Gen 2. Like, they added a bunch of really cool new Pokemon. Absolutely. And I also like, uh, I don't know if you'd ever read any of the mangas that came out around the games, but uh, when you were talking about how they introduced a female character, the mangas always made sure to include both as well. Uh, generally, the male was the, was the more the main character. Right. But the, the female character always existed and was there in an, in an important role as well. Like That's um, awesome. Like in so like for example, if if you look at like you read the Ruby and Sapphire manga, the boy is the one who moves to town and, and stuff, but the girl character is the daughter of the professor and she does a lot of stuff that's very important to the plot, or like uh Ethan, I think is his name, uh the gold and silver boy character yeah he's the main character in that but then uh, the girl lyra lyra i don't know how to say it uh is like his friend and she's also there and she's an assistant to the professor and like i like i like that they try to include them it's not it's not perfect because they're obviously picking a character that is canon as the playable character yeah but uh i like that they at least try to to involve both in the actual like story for sure that's great and then there's like, because um, you see that continued on with uh, Assassin's Creed, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. Uh, where I can't remember her name, but the female character Cassandra. is the, Cassandra. Yes, thank you. She's the canon. She's the canon lead. Like she's the one you're. If if you wanted to follow the storyline that is intended, she's the one you play as. Yeah, so getting a little off track here, but I don't know. We're going back to news now. I don't know if you saw this story that came out, but apparently when they were developing Odyssey, they had only planned for Cassandra to be the main character. Yes. But apparently there was some pushback from the company thinking that some gamers may be turned off by having a female main character, and it was because of that that they added 
the male character option. So she was supposed to be like that was supposed to be her game. Yeah, I I, I did know that because that's when I when I was looking it up because I was I'm always curious in a game like that where you have the choice of character how the canon works. Yes, like even even in a game like uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. I was very interested to know what the canon story was for it. Like, which one was the intended story that you, you to follow? Right. And so I had, I had looked it up, and I, and I had read about that, and I was like, that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that that's even a thing. Like, first of all, if there are people out there who won't play a game because it has a female main character, I'm going to drop another cur- F-bomb. Fuck them. (laughs) But B, like, come on. It's 2020. Like, you know, do what you want to do. Make the game that you want to make. People are going to play it. And if they don't, they don't, you don't want them playing your game. Well, yeah. And and two of the the games in the last decade that I can think of that were the most fun for me to play, like, to throw around the word best, uh, would be the 2013 Tomb Raider. Which, uh-huh. is, which is an incredible game. Loved that game. And no one complains about that. <laughs> and uh, I didn't get too much into it, but it was really fun. And I always intend to go back to it as a Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh-huh. Awesome game with an awesome female main character. Like, I don't, I don't see why that matters. Like, if, if the story is compelling, th- the lead can be whoever. Like, well, exactly. It's not I, like I've played being video a girl games a as video a main, game. main character for years. <laughs> well, exactly. Like it, it, it's not like that. You a boy playing as a girl means that you're some kind of girl or anything. Like not that that's I, bad, but like, like, like that. There's no reason to think that that's a problem. Yeah, people are just ridiculous, and yeah, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's silly. I like I. I generally like the idea of there being a choice just because it leads to customization and stuff like so that and it gives it a lot of replay value. Yeah. Cause especially if there's different elements to the stories, but if, if you feel the best story is one that requires a female uh, lead or a male lead or whatever, just do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to get back to the list, the next one on my list here for most influential games was uh, Batman Arkham City on the Ooh, nice Xbox choice. 360. Uh, this was the first game that I ever actually 100% completed. So I did everything in the story. I did all the challenges. I got all the achievements. Like I did it all. And <laughs> it was the first game that I have ever like just replayed to this extent. Like I think I've played the whole thing dozens of times like i've lost count as how much how many times i've played it and it is as close to a perfect game i think as i've as i've ever played yeah it was a great game uh i know you're a big batman fan so obviously that's gonna you know influence your decision but i came into this not actually knowing much about batman and i played this game and then i became a huge batman fan it was well, awesome i was actually like I, I, I wouldn't say I was the same because, uh, so for reference, this game came out in 2011, and by this point, I was a Batman fan, but this increased it quite a bit because, like, we would have had all of the Dark Knight movies, I believe, by this point, and I'd already been reading comics and stuff by this point quite heavily, 
but this game it just it's it was so good that it made you feel good to be a fan and you wanted to like get into it more mm-hmm yeah, so this game was made by Rocksteady Studios, and they pretty much have just made the other Arkham games, except for Arkham Origins. I don't think they've made much else, other than uh, a secret game that's being made that, that apparently they're not allowed to talk about, as you know. <laughs> yes, I, a friend of mine actually works at Rocksteady, and apparently they're working on something over there, but I cannot get them to crack. <laughs> I am still, I, I'm willing to put money on one of two things. Uh, Superman game or a Harry Potter game. I mean, both would make sense. Yeah, because apparently the there's been like leaked, and I did air quotes for that leaked footage of like the the Harry Potter game, which I don't think is real. But if it is, I I would be very happy for that. Uh, well, Rocksteady's parent company is Warner Brothers, right? Yeah. So that kind of limits what they could potentially be making. So I think Superman uh, or Harry Potter are both good good guesses. For sure. But yeah, so uh, for Arkham City, I really liked Arkham Asylum, which was the game that came out before it, and I had a lot of fun playing it, but I generally think there's a lot of issues with that game. Uh, they're mostly minor issues, but they're still there. And it's one that I don't really enjoy replaying as much because I feel like you get to a certain point in it and it gets a little boring because it's it's mostly like detective stuff, which is fine if that's what you want to do, but it's not as exciting as the other games come to be. And I think especially after you play Arkham City, which is pretty open world, like it's it's essentially as open world as, as any of them have gotten other than Arkham Knight, Asylum feels really limiting. And I think Arkham City, when they put it out, it addressed all of the issues that Asylum had. And then it added in more stuff, like by giving us other playable characters. Because so you could be Catwoman, you could be Robin, you could be Nightwing. I'm trying to remember if there's anyone else you could be, but I think that's it. Uh, it wasn't one of the DLCs you could play as Harley Quinn, or am I dreaming that? Uh, so no, that's uh, Arkham Knight had a DLC where you could play as Harley Quinn. Uh, ah. Arkham City, if I remember correctly, had a DLC where you go after Harley. Ah. And you could play as Robin in it. That makes sense. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and not to toot my own horn here, but I think I got hella good at Nightwing. Like, I was <laughs> I was really solid with him. I could go through, like, some of the harder challenges in, like, a full combo and, like, not leave it. <laughs> but I think this game, Arkham City, it mixed the detective stuff from Arkham Asylum, which is needed, obviously, because it's Batman, uh, with more combat and more story. And it was just overall better. <laughs> I think it's it's still the best of all the Arkham games. And I think it's probably the best superhero game still that's come out. And uh, I would say this game is influential on me because it gave me that attitude I needed to actually go and do the 100% stuff. Like right. when a game is that good and I'm that passionate about it, I am willing to spend the time to 100% it. And I've only done that, I think, in two other games. No, three. I did it on Spider-Man, PS4. Nice. Yep. Me, uh, me too. <laughs> a, another amazing superhero another game, amazing in my opinion. Game. But this is probably because I'm a Spider-Man fan. That is the best superhero game ever made. However, that wouldn't have been made without Arkham Asylum because Arkham Asylum had that influential free-flow combat system 
which is what Spider-Man uses. So that was yeah. really the the pillar that it's based off of. Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I was I was kind of like leading it back in my mind. It was like Spider-Man got it from Arkham. Yep. Arkham got it from Assassin's Creed. And I think Assassin's Creed kind of started that. Yeah, but and Assa- you're right. Assassin's Creed did start it, but I think Batman perfected it. I agree. Like I when, think... it, when I think of that combat system, I do think of Batman and not Assassin's Creed. Yeah, especially since it's it's mostly only in Assassin's Creed 2 that they started doing that. Mm-hmm. And then Arkham City came along and perfected it, and most people just seem to forget that it came that it came from there. But I, I I agree. I think Spider-Man is is very high on the list as well. I think it's right below Arkham City. I just can't rank it above because, I, like you said, I don't think it would exist without it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the only other t- two games I had finished completely were The Force Unleashed, uh, which we talked about earlier briefly, and uh, Arkham Knight, which was the follow-up to Arkham City, of course. And I ended up having to do it twice. Uh, because of a game glitch. So I got 99% complete. And I went to do a mission. And I did the mission. But because of a glitch, the last enemy sunk under the level. Oh no. Before, before he technically like was knocked out. So I couldn't get to him. And I couldn't complete this. Hi, Muffin. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Muffin is very chatty. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't complete it. So I had to uh, restart the game. And go through it all again to 100% oh, no. complete it. And, I, and the only reason I was able to do that was because the game was so good. But <laughs> I did do it. And the only other influential thing I can think of for this one that I noted was I think this was the first game that I straight up skipped school to play. Like I, Let's, I hope your mom's not listening to this podcast. I was in university at this point, and I skip school all the time, which she's already aware of, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, like, it's not a good thing to do, but, like, I did it with this one, and I know another game that, that I did it with was Spider-Man. Because I, I remember mocking you that I was at home playing it. <laughs> and I was being a good student at school? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my third one on the list. All right. Uh, Well, my next one is Dragon Age Origins, which was a role-playing game developed by BioWare, who's actually Canadian. They're based in Edmonton, so shout out to BioWare. Uh, This was a brand new IP for BioWare. BioWare before that had made... They had made a lot of RPGs. Their biggest one was uh, one that you probably played, Eric, the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Yep. So they were the one who ones who made that, and uh, they also made Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights, which were huge RPGs. Um, but anyway, Dragon Age Origins came out in 2009, I think, and I played it on my Xbox 360. And at this point, it was it's so influential for me because it was the first sort of video game that I played that had palpable choice and consequences. I remember creating my character. Each character that you create had your own unique backstory, and that backstory influenced uh, your story and how characters reacted to you in the game. There were multiple different endings, multiple branching paths of narrative. I remember the first time I beat it, I immediately restarted it and made completely different choices to see how things would play out that way. Muffin. (laughs) Mommy is talking. Do you like Dragon Age too? Um, But yeah, Dragon Age for me... um, 
right now my favorite uh, genre of video game, I guess, is RPGs. And I think, well, I guess that started with Pokemon, but it was only strengthened with Dragon Age. I just love the the choice and the customization and the possibilities that RPG games give you. And that all kind of started with with Dragon Age. It's one of my favorite games ever, and it definitely was influential for me in the way that it introduced me to, you know, branching narrative RPG games, and uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome game. I would like to say that I have played it, but I don't think I have. I think <laughs> the only Dragon Age game I played was Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay, yep. And I did not get terribly far in it, because... Uh, I think some friends wanted me to play it, so I got it, and then they stopped playing it. So I just, I, I just stopped playing it, and <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, fair. And I've always heard good things. Position must have been difficult as well because it's a game with a lot of lore and a lot of backstory. So you know, jumping in kind of in the third game, I know they were trying to make it accessible to a new generation of players, but even still, like there's a lot going on that you need to pick up on. Oh, for sure, and and I know, like as you said, the the thing that interested you was the choice, and uh, that's always really interested me as well. Like especially in uh, the game you mentioned, Knights of the Republic, uh, in the Mass Effect games and stuff. Those yep. I have played, and I love the choice. I also hate the choice because it, st- <laughs> it stresses me out, <laughs> especially if I if I know going in what like a final destination is. I pick a favorite, and I want to get there. Ah. So, like, for example, spoiler alert for anyone who's not played The Witcher 3, uh, <laughs> but in The Witcher 3, I always wanted to get to the end where Ciri lives. Right. And uh, where she becomes a witcher. Yes. But I, so, like, I always, anytime I played it, I had a guide open for uh, the major choices so I could make the right ones <laughs> to I get see. there. I see. Yeah, I've always been tempted to do that, but my thing that I always do is no matter what, I just like follow whatever my gut feeling in the moment is. So whether, you know, that leads me to an ending, which I'm not particularly pleased with, that's the way I always try to approach those games is just picking the choice in the moment that I agree with, I guess. Yeah, that, that that's if I don't know like what where it goes. I just pick the the one that I feel most fits the character that I like I've made in it. Right. Like in Knights of the Old Republic, uh often I will go more dark side stuff unless it's particularly mean just because I like the dark <laughs> I think the dark side abilities are better. Yeah. But I'm also like when I'm playing this I'm like I don't want to just randomly kill this guy who's just asking for help. <laughs> like I I usually decide like that but the Witcher was a game that I knew so much about before going in that I had mapped out every decision that I had wanted to make. Right, yeah. To, to get to a certain end. Yeah, I, I love the games that offer you, you know, branching narratives and decisions because that's what makes me feel like I'm playing a game rather than just going through the motions and watching a movie because I'm making those choices. I'm making it my own experience, and I just absolutely love that. Yeah, that's one thing that irritated me a little bit about Assassin's Creed Odyssey is that mm-hmm. it presents itself like that is something that you can do when ultimately it doesn't change anything. No. Like, like not to... Like, we both played it, and I'm, this game is a few years old, so I feel okay spoiling at this point. But when you go to, uh, to kill your father and you can choose to leave him alive or choose to kill him, it, the end result is the exact same. Like, nothing changes. He doesn't yeah, like exactly. he doesn't come back into it. Either he's in hiding or he's not. 
and he's and he's dead like it doesn't change the story in any way and i feel like that's at that point it's a useless choice like yeah i think all it did in that game was it gave you a different like weapon or a different piece of equipment which at that point is like not even that big a deal yeah and i remember at the end of the game further spoilers but i mean we're into it now uh at the very end you have like a family reunion and if you let your dad live then it's like you and your dad and your brother and your mom like if you let everybody live yeah but yeah besides like a cinematic and a piece of equipment it's no it's not a real choice yeah and i i i I don't like that at that point if that's what your your end goal is to like have no major change just don't give me the choice have exactly. a story that I have to, to to play by. Like it's it's I get that it's nice to do it and it's not actually like harmful to let you choose, but if it doesn't have an effect, I don't I don't really see the point of it. Yeah, it's just an illusion of choice at that point, right? Exactly. Um but yeah, Dragon Age, you know, it was it's kind of like that Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones setting of like high fantasy. And for me personally, that's like my favorite. So yeah, just Shout out Dragon Age. That's yeah, that's game. that's a part of what made me end up getting Inquisition as well. Is because I heard that the the world was based off of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and stuff. So I was like, it seemed because there was there are some good Lord of the Rings games, but like they're mostly older. At that yeah. at that point, like because I as, if I remember correctly, at this point in time when I would have gotten Inquisition, or even when Origins came out, the Shadow of Mordor games weren't out. Right. So. And those those are really good, but they weren't out yet, and the, your only options were either to go back and play the movie games, which, while fun, are, were dated, and or uh, play one of the random Xbox games, which were also just like fine. Yeah, the movie based games. Yeah, so I, I remember that's a big part of why I wanted to get it was because I heard how much the world they had built in the Dragon Age games was influenced by Lord of the Rings and apparently A Song of Ice and Fire, which is cool. Yeah, it really is, and it's it's great. Okay. So my next game uh, is a PS2 game, and it is SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. Uh, this game was released in 2005, and it was developed by Ukes, and they're a game company that pretty much just made all the WWE games up until uh, WWE 2K19, when they parted ways which unfortunately led us to getting the dumpster fire that was wwe 2k20 (laughs) (laughs) because 2k tried to rebuild the entire engine in one year oh that doesn't usually work it didn't work (laughs) (laughs) the the game is not good um but yeah uh so smackdown versus raw 2006 i was introduced to this game through a friend and uh anytime i'd go to his house he would have this game and he would want to play it and at the time i wasn't a wrestling fan anymore because when i was like six my cousin told me wrestling was fake and i got upset <laughs> and i stopped watching it uh but i'd go to his house and we'd play this game and it got me really back into to wrestling from there and i became so interested in this game that uh when i found out my friend was going away for two weeks during summer break to go visit his dad i convinced him to let me borrow his ps2 in the game <laughs> and i played the shit out of that game yeah. <laughs> like i made a, like a conscious effort to be better than him at it <laughs> and by the time he got back by the time from his he vacation. came back and i and i made a, a point of completing any of the challenges in the game that he couldn't do just to prove that i could <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I, and I did it, and I ended up getting four different wrestling games for my GameCube after that point. Two of which were good, but for the most part, they just didn't level up to like the the main series games, the SmackDown versus Raw branch, and the the WWE games that came after. Um, but it eventually led to my parents realizing how badly I wanted a PlayStation Two, and they got me one for Christmas one year. By that point, I think SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, or maybe even 2008 was out. I can't really remember. But I got my I got my PlayStation, and I went out and bought SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. And I played it again. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but by that point in time, the PS3 was already out. And most of the wrestling games that were coming out for the main line were being put on the PS3. And then... This was during that time, you know, where games would still come out on the PS2, but they would be less good. Yes. Uh, so, shortly thereafter, I was old enough to get a job, because I w- would have been 16 at that point. And I bought an Xbox 360, so I could get all the ones they weren't making for the PS2 anymore. But, uh, yeah, I, I've... Since 2007, I guess, because of this game, I have bought every main wrestling game that's come out. Like, I haven't missed a year. And I put hours and hours and hours into each one, and uh, it probably makes up half of my total time, like of video games played, like, like for everything. Yeah, I think so because I, I just, I just lose time in it. Like whenever I'm really bored and I just don't have anything to do, I'll throw out a YouTube video on my computer and I'll play like a WWE game. Right. The 2K20 game is is trash. It's the first game that I haven't done that on because it's just really bad. But like, <laughs> that's my, that's too sad. bad. Yeah, I'm hoping they they just oh yeah they decided not to put one out next year. So I was gonna say, did I read that somewhere that they're yeah. taking a year off? Yeah, they're taking a year off and they're coming out with a like a kind of like a more fighty arcadey kind of game. Oh okay, yeah. For like I guess during the break, and I'm hoping that they they take this time to either get Ukes to give them the engine, like to like <laughs> like rent the engine or something or, or, uh-huh. or get it get it working. But uh my favorite thing about SmackDown vs. Raw two thousand six, which I always thought was really funny, was how stupid you could make the created wrestlers look. <laughs> Even though I, I used to think they looked cool, like back then, like I'd have baggy red pants with the boxers showing and my character <laughs> would have uh Vegeta hair. Like it was literally just oh, Super wow. Saiyan hair and like so many chains. It was a good time. <laughs> Is that your fashion sense in 2006, Eric? That's what I thought cool people looked like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's my fourth game. Well, I have a fun fact about SmackDown vs. Raw that I just found on the internet. Okay. Apparently in Japan, it was subtitled Exciting Pro Wrestling. So SmackDown vs. Raw, Exciting Pro Wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the list. I got to be honest, I had some difficulty choosing between a few games. So I'm going to give a special shout out to the game that I didn't choose, which is The Last of Us. I didn't choose this, but if if this was a six game list, it would have been The Last of Us because The Last of Us uh, was just so amazing to me in terms of its story and its characters that it 
it made me feel all the feelings. And I don't know <laughs> if a video game had done that for me before. So that's my special shout out is The Last of Us. But the game that I ultimately chose uh, was Tomb Raider, the 2013 reboot. Nice. And so I chose this kind of for the same reason that you chose Arkham City in that it was the first game that I 100% completed. I did every challenge, got every achievement, and then I went back and played it again. Like I was just one of those games where I just wanted to do everything and I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, so obviously Tomb Raider is a very storied franchise. Those games had been coming out since the 90s. But uh, in 2013, they decided to completely reboot the series. They reestablished the origins of Lara, um, completely recreated her as a character. And I was just so, so pleased with the job that they did. They made her a very normal, relatable, realistic girl. And this no is one of the boobs, first yep. games for, what'd you say? No triangle boobs, yep. <laughs> yeah, no triangle boobs. They got rid of the triangle boobs. Uh, yeah, and this was one of the first games that I can think of where I just like played as this badass female main character who wasn't over the top, who didn't have triangle boobs, who was just, you know, normal. <laughs> and I, I just remember absolutely loving it. I thought the game as a whole was fun. Uh, it had a great story. But my, my big thing was definitely Lara and how they created her and made her such a good, relatable main character. So I played this on the Xbox 360 in, and when did it come out? 2013, yeah. So uh, I just remember having so much fun with it. And like I said, it was just such a great main character that it really made me stick around and in, in 100% the game, which doesn't happen to me a whole lot. I, I also 100%ed Marvel's Spider-Man, like you said that you did. But normally I get like, I don't know, maybe 75% complete of the game. And I'm like, oh, that last 25% is just annoying stuff <laughs> that I don't really want to get. Uh, but every now and then there's a special game that makes me want to just really 100% it. And this was, was one of those. So. Oh, for sure. That's, that's my final influential game. Yeah. So uh, just to talk about Team Raider for me, uh, uh -huh. I loved that game. I also played the heck out of it. I never 100% completed it, but I did the story I like the campaign multiple times. Yeah. Uh, any game where it let me go nuts with a bow and the bow stuff was good, I loved. Like, <laughs> and I would often go back with it because for a long time I was very obsessed with uh, the Green Arrow because he's just one of my favorite people in comics. And so I was like, any game that let me kind of live out that that life, I was like, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, bought, I bought Far Cry 3 solely to use the bow and arrow and then i got tomb raider because like i've always i always liked tomb raider i i only owned one game but i liked the movies <laughs> the, right the angelina jolie movies i thought they were fun like i know a lot of people don't like them but i enjoyed them and i just i i found myself really liking that game the only thing i didn't like and it was in retrospect that i realized that i didn't really like it was how i guess guided the game was like it, yeah, it there wasn't very places. much open world, I guess. It was kind of linear. Yeah, and, and it's not a bad thing. It's just something I noticed like later on in the game where I was like, You don't really you're not really giving me a choice where to go. Like you're the camera is clearly showing me where to go. Absolutely, yeah. And I know their sequels kinda tried to get more open worldy, but believe it or not, I didn't like the sequels as much as, I also as this one. Didn't like the sequel, and I think I would have to disagree that it was more open world. And I think that's why I didn't like the sequel. I felt okay. it was even more guided. Like I remember 
one moment that particularly stands out for me is it was a puzzle and you had to do some jumping and there was no difficulty to it because the camera and the way this like the the view was was making it so clear where you had to go that it it was just so simple in something that was supposed to be difficult so i just kind of like i think i just even just stopped playing at that point i don't think i finished the sequel yeah, the the sequels, for me, the main reason why I didn't like the sequels as much is is what they kind of did with the character of Lara. Like I mentioned, it was a big thing for me how relatable she was in the first game. But come the second and the third game, she had become this, like, stone-cold killer <laughs> who was just, like, murdering game? everybody with no, you know, thought. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a third one. There was a third one, Yeah whoa <laughs> yeah so in the first game like it really show it really humanized her and i remember when like she kills a guy for the first time she cries and you know yeah. she's like oh my goodness i can't believe i did this but come the third game she's like blowing people up and doesn't even like you know there are no tears <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of lost that emotional impact for me i guess but as I the series went on. that's a that's a realistic approach to it though it's like you kill that many people you just kind of get used to it. <laughs> oh, probably. Oh, I, I'm sure. <laughs> Did you ever watch the uh, the movie that was based on the 2013 game? I did, and I enjoyed it. I thought I thought they did a good job. I found it very boring, but there, I, I like it was a, it was a fine adaptation. I just found the movie really really boring, especially because oh, really? they ventured so far from the game story. Like, I feel like if they had just done the game story, it would have been incredible. Yeah. Instead, they just did this weird thing where, like, her father is alive, but n- no, he's not. And then, but, oh, yes, he is. <laughs> and she's a bike messenger for some reason. And <laughs> They just wanted that cool action scene, okay? That that scene was fine, but it was still dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they took everything so seriously, which I liked, until the mid credit scene. When it got ridiculous with the pistols, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I don't, I don't need to watch this anymore." Uh, who was the? What was the name of the actress who played Lara in that movie? Alicia Vikander. I love her. I think she's great. She, I thought she did great. I thought she, she was did good, really Lara. Good. Yeah, I remember. Uh, she's very good in uh, Ex Machina, which is another very good movie. I think that's the only thing I had seen her in, other than this. But I, I really liked her. Yeah. I, I didn't have a problem with the cast other than the villain. I I don't like that guy. I don't like his face, which is a, which is a mean <laughs> thing to say, but I I, just, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. That's... All right. Well, what's your what's your final game? So my final game is, I I I consider this one really influential because it made my list of games, but also like it's one of my favorite games, and I've never actually owned it. Oh. So it's uh, FIFA World Cup two thousand and two. Mm. And uh, it's I played it on the GameCube. I don't think it came out on anything else. It might have come out on PlayStation Two, actually. Let's see. Looks like it was on PlayStation and Xbox. All right, I was straight tripping. Yeah, and and PC too. <laughs> yep. So this came out in two thousand two, obviously, as it was the World Cup two thousand two game, <laughs> and it yep. was made by EA Canada. Shout out. Woohoo! And I only ever got to play this game in a, the two-year span when it came out uh, when I lived in Brazil. Because my friend had it. My friend Abdul owned it. Well, I guess shout his, out his, Abdul. Shout out Abdul. Uh, or his older brother owned it, technically. But uh, I'd go to his house quite often. And whenever I'd go, we'd play it. 
And after that, I'd only ever get it when I could convince my mom to rent it for me, which was not often in Brazil because they didn't really have many rental options. But it made me interested in soccer, which, like, you you live in Brazil, you're going to inevitably become interested in soccer. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I was already kind of interested because I'd, like, I'd played it before when we lived in other places before there. But playing this game really got me into the sport and it, like, cemented that interest. Like, like I watched the World Cup that year with, like, avid interest and and all of that. And it was the first sports game that I bought like consistently every year. And yes, I'm not counting wrestling as a sport because it's not really. <laughs> but, Ooh, that's a hot take. Uh, like, other than the NBA games, which I only started getting every year in 2017, like mm-hmm. I'd been getting FIFA games every year since 2008. Like yeah. when I can afford to buy them myself. So I've gotten 12 years of, of FIFA games. <laughs> because of this game like this game started that and i thought this game was really cool because it had uh this cool like fancy golden shot if you did the shot in like a certain right way it was like a gold curve and it usually scored because it was this fancy gold one uh i liked how they did the world cup tournament which is kind of hypocritical to how i was talking about um (laughs) the quidditch world cup game because i said i got tired of it and that but in this one i didn't because it was like the legitimate like world cup outline like where you had right. where you had like the the group tournament and then you had the seeds and you had the the eliminations and all that from there and i don't think any soccer game has done the world cup as well in any game that's come out since it's just in other games it's just a basic tournament where in this one it was actually like the world cup tournament Okay, yeah. But I was really bad at this game for a really long time. (laughs) And I didn't actually start, like, winning at it until, I think, a year and a half into playing it. Like, it was only in, like, 2004 that I eventually got okay. But I had very pleasant memories of this game still to this day. And I'm pretty sure I've never owned it. So I I haven't really played it again. And I might not because I don't want to hurt those memories. (laughs) Sometimes it's best to leave those memories (laughs) in a box in the closet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I also had two honorable mentions like you Mm -hmm. did because they're just ones that I I couldn't add to the list, but they were very influential. Uh, The first one is it's a skateboard game that I, I, I told you about. I could never find. I can't find what it is. I still don't know the name of it. All I I'm know so is that, curious. All I know is that it was, wasn't a Tony Hawk game. That's all I know. Okay. And I got so obsessed with this game when, when we had it to the point where I actually cut open my thumbs and got blisters from oh playing so much. Like, because I just wouldn't stop because I, I, like, I just wanted to be good at it. And the second game that was an honorable mention for me was Tekken 3. It was the, uh, the first fighting game I'd ever played. Like, really? We owned uh, Killer Instinct for Super Nintendo, I think it was. But I, that that doesn't count. I was three, and I was just hitting buttons. Uh, <laughs> for Tekken 3, I like I spent hours and hours on it, learning how to get good. Uh, I had a Halloween costume for one of the characters. Like, I really liked this game. And I actually thought I was legitimately good at it until I got slapped by one of my brother's friends. He just, <laughs> he just slapped me right down, and, and I was like, okay, I'm bad at this. But 
I liked it because it was one of those games where it was, I had it on my PlayStation, but you could also go to an arcade and they had the arcade game of it there. Right. And the skills translated because the, the, the combos were the same. So you would do this thing where you would, you would play in the arcade and you would just you, like, you'd keep winning. <laughs> it felt really satisfying. Yeah, according to the Wikipedia page here, it came out in the arcade in 97, and then it came out in PlayStation the next year in 98. But it is this, the same game. Yeah, so like, like I, once you learned the combos for someone, you were, good, you were good to go. But then there were people who would play the little dinosaur, and they would like cheesy and win. <laughs> little dinosaur? Yeah, there's a little dinosaur. Uh, where is he? Trying to find what his name is. Unless I'm thinking about the wrong game. Is the little dinosaur not in this game? Just Google Tekken 3 Tiny Dinosaur. That's what I'm doing too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there he is. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Oh, he's cute. Yeah, he was a he was a pain in the butt. But yes, yeah, so, uh, where is he? Oh, that's because I was looking at a list of new characters. So he I, has tiny boxing gloves. He does. <laughs> so I went for Halloween as... As him? No, not him. Oh. I, I'm trying to find him here. I went as... Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Where are you, bro? Oh, there we go. Harang. I went as Harang for Halloween okay. one year. How do I spell that? Uh, H-W-O-A-R-A-N-G. Good thing I asked, because I would never have guessed that spelling. Oh, he's edgy. <laughs> I went as this, like, Tekken 3 character, though, where he was literally just wearing, like, a gi that was open. Like, he wasn't as edgy. <laughs> Did you have the wig, though? No. No, I was, like, eight. <laughs> oh, so that was a really half-assed costume. There. Yeah, I wanted to go as Jin, uh, but <laughs> I, I couldn't find black, like, martial arts pants, so I switched and went as Harang. <laughs> but Harang was, like, the one character I was really good with in that game. Which is why I was like, okay, I'll be Harang. <laughs> so do you still play Tekken? I think I, you're up to, what, seven now, I, right? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I fell off Tekken once they started going on systems I didn't own. And then I just never went back to it. Because I, I found... Uh, I've learned, like, ultimately that I am not very good at fighting games. Like, through playing Injustice and stuff. I don't have the brain for the combos. So I just kind of, I'm not really great at them. So I just kind of stopped playing them. Yeah, fighting games for me, like I will play pretty much any video game as long as it's good. But fighting games are like one of the only game ser or genres that I'm just not interested in. I'm not good at the combos. Yeah, it's just not for me. Yeah, the only fighting games I still play and I don't consider them akin to the same kind of thing is I, like, I play the UFC games because right. I think the fightings in that are very different. Uh, and I play like a lot of the Dragon Ball Z games. Like Dragon Ball Fighter Z, I cannot play because it is like all the other fighting games. It's like Mortal Kombat and stuff, and I'm just not good at it. Mm -hmm. But like the Budokai games, uh, the Xenoverse games, like the the Naruto games, like I can play all of those because it's not really combo combo based. It's more like singular button stuff, and it just happens to have fighting in it. Right. Yeah, shout out. Like, there's some people who are wild in those fighting games. Like, you see the tournaments and, and stuff, and it's it's insane. I oh, could it's never. Nuts. 
yeah. play that way. Well, especially since so many of them, when it comes to like Street Fighter and stuff, they have like these specially made controllers that are like arcade pads. Uh-huh. Like if you're if you're that serious into that game or you have one of those, then I don't want to play you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not going to be fun. You're not going to be fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's everything on my list there. I like that we only had one uh, one game that kind of fell together. Yeah, with, we had some Pokemon. Pokemon overlap, but other than that, and that very different yet. I think I've I played most of the games you said, and you've played most of the games I said, which is yeah. what happens, I guess, when you pretty much just play everything that comes out. <laughs> exactly. Good games are good games. Yeah. So. Alrighty. Well, that's, I guess, everything for this episode that I had to talk about. Um, if you enjoy streaming and cute cats, you should check out Talara on Twitch. She, she does fun stuffs. Fun uh, stuffs. What is your, like, your handles and stuff that people can find uh, you? You can find me on Twitch at Talara and on YouTube also as Talara. And then on Twitter, I'm Talara Games. And it's Tall and then Ara. Yeah. Those who need spelling. T-A-L-L-A-R-A. Yes. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah. So I'm going to do a closing song now. And then probably be back for the Harry Potter one next. Let's see what's happening next. <laughs> it's mediocre adventures. Man.